0: We continue our study in the book of Acts. We are in Acts chapter 7. And today, it will, we will allow this man to preach to us. The man, Philip. Not Philip. Um, Stephen. Stephen becomes the first martyr of the church. Stephen, as we started last week, when there was trouble in the church, distributionally, the Hellenists complained that their widows were not receiving uh, donations, daily donations, and they brought it before the apostles, of which we saw that they never um, send them back and say, well, we, we, we don't care about this kind of stuff. You guys figure out your lives where you are. You, can't you not see that we are only a few and, you know, it is a multitude, thousands and thousands of people. Um, they, they never made excuses, but all they did, they told their disciples to choose seven men from amongst them. And these seven men, as we saw last week, there were three things that were considered. Number one, man of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. And this should be for every Christian. Not just them because they're now called for an office to become deacons, the first deacons of the church. But this should be with every Christian that you got a good testimony with people around you everywhere you go, that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and you are a man or woman that has wisdom, wisdom that comes from God. James tells us that God does not withhold wisdom from people who ask of it. So ask, and God will grant it to you. So that was their situation, and these men were brought forth. One of the guys was... Uh, Stephen, and the other guy that will learn from is Philip also. In the later chapters, he will be called Philip the Evangelist. He would go and share the gospel widely to the rest of the people. So after the introduction of this man, verses eight of chapter six, the Bible told us, he and Stephen. Full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. And there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freemen, those who were slaves, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And what they brought were false allegations. The things they said about him were not true. They said he blasphemed the name of God. He blasphemed the holy place and even blasphemed Moses. And they say they brought him before the elders. They said, this is not right. This man is supposed to be judged. And at the end of chapter Six, we are told here, and all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. I don't know how it looked like, but I suppose it was not the normal occurrence, not the normal appearance. Maybe there was glamour in his face. Because God's glory was upon him that very day. They had no fear of this man at all. Because I think, you know, if you, you're bringing a man for questioning, and all of a sudden, things changes. The countenance changes, and people are not even flinching. Like, they, whatever, whatever. Like you're brought in for questioning, and that is what we are going to do. And that will tell us, you know, many things about this man who brought this man to be questioned. And the high priest said, chapter 7, the high priest said, Are these things so? You realize many times when the disciples and now we have Stephen brought before the elders, they always want you to speak, to hear your mind, to get your brain on these things, to see whether you're going to to say something different. Maybe you'll get afraid because you're brought before the man, the big man, the man who ruled the world, the man who are in charge your political leader, your religious leaders. It is frightening to come before their presence. You don't know what to say. You don't know how to behave. You've never been in their presence before. This is the first time, and you have to give account of all these allegations. So they say, are these things true? In other words, they're giving him an opportunity to either water down what he said or what he preached or just go ahead and tell it as it is. And apparently, as we learn from history, as things unfold, many men and women would go the opposite direction and say, well, this is what We kind of said, but it is not what you think. It is not what we meant. So pay attention as we read this sermon. So brace yourself. This is uh, a lot of verses we're going to read today. And he said, this man Stephen, Brethren, and fathers, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haram and he said to him, get out of your country from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and went in Haram. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. And God gave him no inheritance in it, not even enough to set his foot on. But when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. But God spoke in this way, that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land and that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them 400 years. And the nation to whom they will be in bondage, I will judge, says the Lord. And after that they shall come out and serve me in this place. Then he gave him the covenant of circumcision. So Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac begot Jacob and Jacob begot the 12 patriarchs. And the patriarchs became envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him and delivered him out of all his troubles and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor of, over Egypt and all his house. Now a famine and great trouble came over all the land of Egypt and Canaan. And our fathers found no sustenance. But when Jacob had, there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. And the second time, Joseph was made known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to the Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent and called his father Jacob and all his relatives to him, 75 people. So Jacob went down to Egypt and he died. He And our fathers. And they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham bought for a sum of money from the son of Hamal, the father of Shechem. But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not leave. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God. And when he was brought up in his father's house for three months, but when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Now when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and availed him who was oppressed and stuck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. And the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them saying, man, you are brethren, why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away saying, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday. Then, at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian where he had two sons, meaning he got married there. And when 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. Then when Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight and he drew near to observe. The voice of the Lord came to him saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham." the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. Then the Lord said to him, take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groanings and have come down to deliver them. And now, come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? Is the one God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out. After he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. This is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, The Lord your God will raise up from you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us, whom our fathers would not obey but rejected, and in their hearts They turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses, who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf those days, offered sacrifices to idols and rejoiced in the works of their own hands then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven as it is written in the book of the prophet did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during 40 years in the wilderness O house of Israel you also took up The tabernacle of Moloch and the altar and the star of your God, Rempham. Images which you made to worship. And I will carry you away beyond the Babylon. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he appointed and instructed Moses to make it according to the pattern he had seen, which our fathers, having received it, received it in turn, also brought with it Joshua into the land, and possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David. Who found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. However, the Mosai does not dwell in the temple made with hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me? Says the Lord. Or, what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? You stiff necked and uncircumcised in the heart and years, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so you do. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law but the direction of angels and have not kept it. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed. At him with their teeth. That is basically the end of our today's sermon, from Stephen. As we have been going through, and we see the events unfolding, the Lord, God had spoken to the disciples. Jesus Christ promised him that when the Spirit will come upon them, they will be endowed with power. And this was power to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And that is going to be seen in the next chapter because they will be scattered and they will begin to go to these places to preach the gospel. And here we see a very wonderful defense. This defense is given because they asked for it. The gospel was preached and they doubted it. And he repeated to them and gave them one of the best history lessons probably that they've never had for years. These were people that we suppose that were learned These are people who had the law of God at their fingertips. They could reside in. But above the the, the high priest and these other leaders, we are seeing that men who are diligent knew the scripture and now it is at heart, not just head knowledge. They can now apply God's word into their lives without fear. Every other time we have read, the apostles were brought before the council. They said to them that they will obey or they must obey God over men. And I think this confidence of which, you know, it went viral. People knew what they said to these governors and rulers. And the disciples who were dedicated Christian they begin to do the very same thing. When the disciples would be sent out before the council, they were told, you should never preach in the name of this Jesus anymore. The last time the the apostles, the 12 of them were in the council, you remember what happened? They were lashed. They were punished for preaching in the name of Jesus. And what happened is the Bible told us that they went out rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ. And I want to to remind us that for us to consider the next chapter that we are going to read one verse where the the church is all scattered because of persecution, we must consider what Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1 verses 8. You will receive power to be my witnesses. And in these witnesses comes other things that probably they didn't know, but they have to consider. And that is suffering. That is death. So this is a turning point for the church. We have seen marvelous things happening. And we've read it says time after time that they were in one accord and they shared things in common. And now, what we have with this next man, he is sharing the gospel with people who are supposed to know these words. But towards the end, the Bible tells us that they were gnashing their teeth, they were getting agitated, they were getting mad because Jesus is preached. And you know why they're getting mad and mad and mad? Because he called them what stiff-necked people. How do you do that before the council of the high priest? Where do you get the strength to say these words? I mean, the the the, the people who are in authority. If you consider even just the um, the MCAs, the members of county assembly, we, we see them and we, we run to them. <laughs> we, there are things we, we, we would be afraid to even say before them. The MPs and the governor and the, the ministers and the president. And now you're brought before the leaders who matter in the land and you're saying to them, You stiff necked people, what do you think they're going to do? What do you think they're going to do? He gave them a very brilliant history from our father um, Abraham to what happened in the wilderness with Moses. And actually he said something that I thought we should consider about Moses. Moses, we know he was picked up with um, Pharaoh's daughter. He was trained there until he became a man. And this is what the Bible says about him. That Moses, in verses 22, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and was mighty in words and deed. You know, when we are reading Exodus, and God is sending this man to go and deliver the children of Israel, and he says, you know, who am I? I? I don't even have good speech. I cannot speak before this man you're sending me to. And people think Moses was a dumb guy. People think he, he was not a clever guy. People think Moses was just a random guy. He was learned, by the way. He was a smart fella. All the best education anyone could get that time, he had it. He was not a dumb guy. But also the interesting thing that happened, that his own mother, who became his nanny, taught him the way of the Hebrew. So that when he was of age, he said, I want to go visit my people. Think about it. He, He was living in the palace, but when he was of age, he said, I'm going to see my people. And then he found his people, one of them, fighting with an Egyptian. He defended the guy and killed the Egyptian. The next day, two Israelites are fighting, trying to bring peace. And they say, hey, who are you? Who do you think you are? Who made you judge over us? You want to kill me as you killed yesterday? Who made you judge over us? But they did not know that this same man to whom they say, who made you judge, became the one who delivered them. I mean, all this history, these men were aware of, though they could not dispute. It was the truth and nothing but the truth. Every time we are brought before the council, we are given always an opportunity to say the right thing or the wrong thing. For those who are parents, when children have done something that is not right and you bring them before you and you tell them, so explain to me what happened. You will look at them and sometimes you will know when they want to lie about it. <laughs> you look at them and you know this one. <laughs> After this, there's timeout, And for many parents you know they, they, they timeout means different things to different parents right timeout for many other parents is you take your children to the room and tell them i'm coming <laughs> and they know what is coming some parents will take the children at the corner there's no gadget there's no toys there's nothing just think about your life Think about what you have done. Think about the wrong things. Think about all these things. And for other kids, it is very frustrating to be alone, not talking, not playing. To other kids, you give them this timeout, they enjoy it. I'm here alone. My own child can play in darkness. You switch off the light, she will sing and play. No problem. So th- that timeout will not work for her. But when you tell her, hey, let's go into your room and talk, it's like, no, daddy. Why? Because she knows this talking means something else. She's brought before mom and dad for question. You ask her, Wema, did you do this? Sometimes I don't want to say it, like, yes, daddy. And sometimes the the tone just melts you. You're like, where do I have strength? Where do I get strength for this time out? (laughs) You're brought before the council to say or to defend yourself. What are you going to say before the council? Are you going to water down what you preach so that you will not die? Because as we read it and as we see, this man is ready to take it. Whatever comes is ready to die. He's ready to defend the gospel. He becomes the first martyr of the early church. The history of the church. And the seed of this martyr, the death of it, becomes the seed of the church. The church now becomes you know, it grows because they have the confidence that though we die in the flesh, we shall but live again. He stood before the council, gave the history lesson that they should have known. And do you know what the world does then and now? is we try to rewrite history so that it fits what we want to do. Because I don't like this part, let us rewrite it. So that the children that are growing will know that this is the truth, but it's a lie. That is what the world is trying to do right now, rewriting history. There's a man in China who is trying to rewrite the Bible. I mean, he can write whatever he wants and print a few copies, waste of money. (laughs) This one remains. And do you know the greatest miracle of all times is the preservation of God's Word throughout all generations? You cannot dispute that that is the greatest miracle and after all this history from abraham coming to you know the holy one jesus christ this is what he says to them you stiff next and uncircumcised in the heart Where do you find strength to tell the high priest these kind of words? He is the high priest. But I believe right now, Stephen knows that he has the real high priest. These ones are not real. These ones are not genuine. These ones are not doing what is right. Who am I going to follow? Who am I going to obey? And this obedience to Christ means you defend his cause at the cost of death. You defend the cause of the gospel at the cost of death. The writer of Hebrews tells us, he says, We have not suffered to the point of bloodshed, we have not bled. As we are defending the gospel. A few words would be said to us, and we are offended. And we go away like, man, I'm, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to share it anymore. But you know what? Jesus said it ahead of time. They didn't have regard for me. Who do you think you are? <laughs> if I suffered, you will. Suffer. You always resist the Holy Spirit. And do you know one of the blasphemous things that you can do is to actually resist God's grace that has been provided for you? Been given freely but you have resisted. You have rejected God. That is the sin that will lead to eternal death. The rejection of the Holy Spirit. And now, he's giving them an opportunity to think. If this is the sin... That would cause us to be eternally condemned. What are we going to do about it? You have time right now. You have time to repent. Previously we were told that many priests came to faith. Many of them. Meaning there are people who are listening and they decided they're not, not gonna follow the the ways of the religious leaders. Whatever these men are saying is the truth and nothing but the truth. If you want life, you gotta follow what they say. Many came to the faith, many believed. And there were priests. What about you and me? We call ourselves a royal priesthood, but then are we obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Do we always resist the Holy Spirit? He was trying to jog their memory a little bit, telling them that this, whatever you guys are doing, is not news. Your forefathers, our forefathers, they resisted the Holy Spirit. Generation after generation after generation. You again, you want to do the same. You know what led to that? They died. It is sad to die without Christ. You're resisting the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. Telling them to their faces, you guys are rebellious. You guys do not honor God, have no regard to the Almighty. What your forefathers did, you're doing it even right now. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they kill those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you have become the betrayers and the murderers. This confidence is overwhelming you guys are murderers. You murdered the Holy One. You guys are betrayers. When you were supposed to defend the cause of the Holy One because you know what is written about Him. You did not. You betrayed. And you murdered. That is who you are. I mean, think about when when this is just another guy. But think about if if your friends would tell you that, hey man, you're a betrayer. (laughs) You you are a murderer. Well, I've never killed. James says what? If you hate your brothers so much so that you desire death for them, you are a murderer. who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. you remember in the wilderness? God led you via a cloud in the wilderness, at night via a pillar of fire. God himself led you through. Took you from bondage you drove through the sea. Seeing water, the both sides, when you had passed away, God brought it all together and the Egyptian died. Can you guys remember that? In the wilderness, you didn't have water, you cried aloud, God provided. You didn't have food, God provided manna. And you guys remember that manna was also, they kept a sample of manna in the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the, the Covenant, what they kept in there was the, the commandments, the, the uh, Aaron's staff were in there, and the sample of manna to remind the generations of what God did to them in the wilderness. Those who, you know, you love trends and clothes. Maybe that season would be, it would have been very offensive to you. Like, God, we don't have clothes for tomorrow. These damn clothes the rest of the 40 years we're in here. But God protected them in the wilderness. Gave them food in the wilderness. And you know, sometimes people question it like, why did God say, oh, you should not eat this animal and this and this? We like pigs, right? Pork. The bone. Pork ribs. Wonderful. But you know what? This animal is interesting. If any virus would get into it, it doesn't matter how many years we boil it the virus doesn't die. You eat it and it will affect you. And God is trying to save these people in the wilderness They say, hey, don't eat this one, don't eat this one, eat this one and this one. Like, now, nah, we want this. They didn't have proper medics at the time to help them and God is trying to save their lives and they don't see it. They are always stiff Necked. Stiff-necked people. And now, how do you explain this? You say this to the religious leaders, man, you're in for it. You're gonna die. What if they show up today and tell us to do something else that the Bible doesn't approve of? What are we gonna do? Are we gonna stay quiet? I suppose, I don't have a lot of strength, but I'm not going to shut my mouth. I'm going to say something. If that is where my death shall come from, I'll say, well, maybe, perhaps, I'll count it all joy, for I have suffered for the sake of my King, for the sake of my Lord. The truth is always offensive to those who are rejecting Christ. Always, always offensive. You speak truth to people, they hate on you. You speak truth to people, they sideline you. You speak truth to people, they don't want your company. You speak truth to people, you're left alone. Now this man is alone. And he's telling the truth, nothing but the truth. And they were they got furious. This one cut them to the heart, the Bible says, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he full of the Holy Spirit. This was the qualification for them to be bold, as deacons, full of the Holy Spirit full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Amazing. They've never had anyone say these words to them. That I see heaven. I see God. I see Jesus. The one whom you told the disciples not to preach in his name, I see him at the right hand of God. As he says these things, they're getting mad and mad and more. And what they did, they threw him out of the city and killed this man. They cast him out of the city, stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. It is interesting that that is just dropped there, and now we continue with the rest of the things. (laughs) Because it is important, he's actually the, the one giving us this information after he's got born again. He's been there always, giving us all these things that happened When these witnesses, they were throwing stones, they brought all their clothes before a young man named Saul, Saul of Tarsus. And this is that Saul. And Saul, as the events unfold, let me just go ahead of us and read one verse in chapter 8. Now Saul was consenting to his death, the death of this martyr, and at that time, the great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. This is exciting to see that it is happening, the fulfillment of God's word. He said it in Acts chapter 1, verses 8, "'You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem.'" In Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost. And now when persecution began, and they were all scattered, where did they go? To Judea, to Samaria, and to the rest of the world. That means when God speaks his word, it will surely come to pass. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's the next month. Maybe it is years to come, but it shall surely come to pass. His word. This is the beginning of the growth of the church and also the vast persecution of the church. The man, the young man who is introduced to us, a young man called Saul, he's he's very zealous. In fact, he will give us a resume about himself. Was circumcised on the eighth day. He's kept the law. And about zeal, concerning zeal, he says, I persecuted the church. Do, Do we like... Suffering? Anyone? But let me remind you. The fact that you're born again, you sign up for it. You did sign up for it. We don't like it, but it's the way to go. We don't suffer the same, but we suffer. (laughs) If you've never suffered, probably you're not doing anything for the kingdom of God. They've never called your name. They've never said anything. You've never reviled. You're probably not doing anything for the kingdom. But those who are doing things for the kingdom, they know what it means to, to go through life when you're rejected with your own family, your own friends. You have no one. You are by yourself. We, are, we Africans, we are very communal. We love being around people. But when everyone is going away, you know that there's something happening. The worship team, you're welcome to come as we conclude here. So this man was cast out, they stoned him. At the watch of this man, who will change the rest? of the history of the church Paul or Saul of Tarsus very zealous man maybe he got agitated and he wanted to prove a point to his bosses that he will not let this die we, and by killing Stephen they were making a statement that this is going to be the way you do this you die You defend Jesus, you die. You share the gospel, you die. Nowadays, you share the gospel, people hate you. And it's a real hatred. But we are going to do what God has called us to do, no matter what. And this is... The question I want to ask us, is: when this man is being stoned, all he's seeing is he sees Jesus, he's seeing the, the heavens open, which means this man was ready to die. He saw the, 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 the heavens open, he knelt down and cried out aloud, say, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Do not charge them with this. What, what kind of man is this? With the similar words, we only heard them from our Lord Jesus when He said, "Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do." He said, "Do, do not charge them for this." I mean, so in other words, what, what are we supposed to charge them with? Very ignorant. People can be smart because they have read book. But they can be dumb because they are rejecting the only one Savior, the Savior of their lives. You're not smart when you're rejecting the one who created you, the one who made you, the one who saved you. How, where do you find strength to run away from the one who bled to save you? He was revived for your namesake. The holiest man who lived on the planet. Never get along with people. How do we think we'll get along with people if he never did? Is Jesus worthy to be honored in your life? Can you defend the cause of the gospel when you're called for? Not even when you're called to, even when you have taken yourself there. Because most of the time we gotta go out, we gotta go and share the gospel with people. He said to them, You stiff necked and uncircumcised at heart and ears. You guys have a lot of head knowledge. It is not here. In other words, he's saying, you should pray to God that the knowledge that you have of him should be translated this few inches from your head to your heart. Just always resisted, God always resisted the Holy Spirit? Do you want to continue doing that? Our forefathers did. This high prison, the council, they're doing it. What about me and you? Have we hardened our hearts? Are we paying attention to God when he speaks to us? Do we have the freedom to go into the throne room of God with confidence? Sometimes it's easier said than done. But a great testimony goes a long way. The Bible tells us in Revelation they overcame. By the words of their testimony. And by the blood of the Lamb. In other words, we must continue telling people about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ until he returns. He bled. And it's that blood that saved you and me. He bled. And that is how all of us are brought together today. He bled. That is why many of us, our relationships are restored. Our families are whole together. You know, when we think about the God leaving the 99 and pursuing the one, We always want to be the one that is being pursued, right? It is also wonderful to be amongst the 99 that are sustained by him who is going after the one. The same power that brings back the one It is the same power that sustains the 99. Good testimony goes a long way. Being filled with the Holy Spirit gives us the boldness to share God's word. And he grants us wisdom on how to do it. He grant us that. If you're single-minded, you receive it. If you're double-minded, you won't receive it. This is what I want to send you guys out with. That you go pray so that the Lord will lead you to know how you're going to share His Word. Even today, even this week. There are vast opportunities for us to do so. Don't fear. Don't say, oh, I don't know what to say. Actually, that is a good position not to know what to say so that you can depend on God on what to say. But of course, read your Bible. Read your Bible and pray. We have read in the Bible, it says, that he's not willing. He's not willing that anyone should perish, but all should have eternal life. So as we go out, we are giving people choices. There are only two ways. God's way and the world's way. We have... The world's way that is very pleasing and appealing to us, and it's very broad, and many people love to follow it. The way to the kingdom seems to be very narrow. There are thorn bushes on the way, obstacles, but Paul says, I push towards mark for a higher calling if jesus christ is at your eyeballs when you're looking at eternity whatever you do right now will be geared to bring him glory if you're looking at him you're looking at eternity with your eyeballs you're looking at what he I say he will do at the end of time. Whatever you do here should bring him all glory at all times. The Bible says that he, he is wise. He who snatches another from the pits of hell is very wise. That is wisdom that God gives to every one of us. Our fathers were stiffening. are we like them or are we softer or we or are we even harder to break through let us pray together lord we thank you for this opportunity today reading from your word and being reminded of this wonderful history history of the children of israel history Of God's people. God's story for us. Maybe there's some of us in here here who are battling with your voice. You're speaking, but we're disregarding it. Calling us to do what is right, but we want to do what feels right with us. Maybe we have disobeyed your word for a long time. But we have a choice to make it right. We have a choice to come clean. We have a choice. Lord, help us. Help our hearts. You said in your word that in the latter days you will write your laws into our hearts and we can attest of that thank you Lord thank you Holy Spirit thank you that you're here with us thank you that you're speaking to us even right now because you're here I pray that we will not harden our hearts whatever things you want us to do I pray that you, we will heed your voice. We thank you in Jesus name, Amen.